Everyone still looks uncomfortable. Perhaps they all remembered that old saying, power corrupts. And welcome to Second Officer's Slog, episode 58. I'm your host, and with me is my number one, Jackson. It's Star Trek time. We're back. We haven't done one of these since February. It honestly, it, it, it honestly feels like it's been way longer than six months. I was like, we need to start doing these more rapidly. We can't wait eight months between these. I mean, we read a different months. book last time. So like, it's been a year since yeah. we've read uh, one of the Enterprise books. That's true. It was July 18th of 2021. So, which explains why we have no idea what the fuck's going on. We, it was fine. we caught it was up. Fine. It was fine. It was fine. Um, most importantly, uh, we watched Strange New World season one. We did. Star Trek's fucking back, baby. Oh my god, it's back. Ten great episodes of Star Trek. At minimum, yeah. eight great episodes of Star Trek. You know, there's a couple yeah. you could you could be iffy on. Those those couple might change from person to person, but I think the consistency rate in this season excellent. Yeah, um, I fucking love this season of Star Trek. They just made a show where you there's a cast that are all very serious and nice. And you like most of them, if not all of them, and they get into some space mysteries and some space misadventures, and it's good. That's it. Yeah. I like the captain. I like the crew. I, I enjoy the stories. Th- that's that's it. They made Star Trek. Yeah. This idea of, like, Pike and Spock and uh, Una out on the frontier doing this shit, like, just works. I'm like, I've watched, like, 100 episodes of this. Easy. Yeah. I'm, I am shocked how much I like Spock in Strange New Worlds. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. This is, this is, um, it's weird because, like, he's not doing, he's not doing a Spock, like, like Leonard Nimoy in the way that I thought that Quinto was when he wasn't just shouting because the, the, <laughs> the movie's bad. bad. <laughs> um, and he just ends up, he ends up, like, making him feel more like the Vulcans in later Star Treks in a way that's good. Yeah, I, I mean, like, okay, so spoilers for Strange New Worlds. We're not going to, like, ruin too much. But we will, we will. I mean, I can, I'll put in a timestamp when we talk about, we okay. move to the book talk, so. We'll we talk open talk about, about it. it. Um, but they, they, yeah. they also bring Kirk in, and in the last episode, uh, and there's other, like, three. The back. second Kirk of this show, uh, <laughs> Sam Kirk really getting, I, the bit where Pike's like, Sam, level with me, is your, is your brother a crazy guy or not? <laughs> and he's like, no, 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 he's good. He just doesn't do things by the book. Um. I would like to say, just before we get into it, very funny to me that the implication of the timeline changes is that uh, Sam <laughs> Sam Kirk is, I guess, saved. <laughs> if, um, I think Bounds of Terror happens before he's before he's eaten by weird space amoebas, but um, yeah, but hasn't he already he isn't on that world? Hasn't he with moved his family, there yes. by that point with his family? Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, yeah, I think so. Because um, then Kirk's like, I haven't talked to my brother in years. He's the administrator on this planet or whatever. And then everyone gets eaten by space amoebas or whatever. And the consistency of the like crew on on the flash forward episode here is has is the implication that like all of these people would have stayed on the Enterprise, like changed their positions when Pike left, right? Because that was his their captain. Yeah, like only Uhura and Spock are and uh, 
No, that's not. It's Uhura Spock um, and um, what's her face? Uh, Nurse Chapel. Stick around. Um, no, there's also the, the like the helm, but like. Well, sure. But like in, you know, in the in in Bounce of Terror, it's Sulu. Yes, that, that's and, what I'm saying. You know. Oh, I see what you say. Yes, that's what I mean. Yes. Yeah. In, in the prime universe, that's all that happens. In this, everyone in on the cast, they can't like, they can't replace everyone. Um, yes. But yeah. Uh, so I guess that Sam Kirk, after Pike dies, leaves the Enterprise to move to get eaten by Space Amoeba. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we'll talk, we'll come, we'll circle back around to the implication of the finale in a minute. Uh, but yeah, show's good. It, I just really enjoyed the show. Um, yep. Um, putting a bow on all of the Pike, like, oh, I'm going to die in the future stuff by old Pike showing up being like, look, there's worse things. Spock could die and Spock's more important than everyone on the ship put together. Stacked end to end. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, yes. Ah, oh, God. The, the, the Spock stuff, the Spock's just good. Um, because it, it, it really leans into like, if you remember, if you're a long time listen to this podcast, which first of all, if you are, I'm sorry, generally. <laughs> um, uh, but if you remember our reactions to Discovery and the ways we would, the things we would get excited about, all those things are just in the show now. Cybox, Cybox in the show. <laughs> Cybox on Super Space Jail. Cybox on Super Space Jail with his the pirate GF trying to break him out. Yes, he's got a whole crew of weirdos trying to break him out because he's a thought criminal. <laughs> uh, and it's fucking Cybox. Um, the only thing they don't do that we that we would have done that also I Twitter searched and yeah, people were no, mad, this is everyone. people were mad about this as well they should be is so the last episode is it starts out and I was like oh this is going back to the the, the Pike Destiny stuff and boring and then they the he gets a time crystal from the Klingons and sees the possible future and you're like yeah whatever uh, um, no 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 uh, the important thing here is that old Pike in a <laughs> Wrath of Khan uniform is here being like I know you think you're doing the right thing by like sort of keeping yourself from being horribly murdered with a bunch of kids but um, actually it's really important that you just let yourself get murdered um, you're not even gonna get murdered let's be real they don't know that but and um <laughs> He goes to the time crystal to see this possible future that old Pike needs him to, to prevent. And then you go, oh shit, it's Balance of Terror. They're doing Balance of Terror, but what if Pike's still in charge of the Enterprise? And the answer is he tries to play it safe and doesn't impress the Romulans enough. Um, and a whole galactic war starts. And this is all what's actually thematically going on. But what every Star Trek fan does, in the time between you realize it's Balance of Terror and... They reveal the Vulcans are the Romulans and Vulcans are the, the same. Everyone, the the entire fandom is going. I hope they cast the guy that played Sarek in Discovery. They didn't. They fucked As up. The Romulan commander. They did not. No, it's a big missed opportunity. They really should have done that. Damn. I assume they probably tried. Right. That's like the obvious thing you do. I looked up. He's not that busy. I think they could have got him. Like, okay, maybe not. But um, he's not like doing any movies or anything. Uh, I assume yeah. they would have tried, like, you know, maybe he was just busy that week and producing a TV show is hard, yes. um, but uh, there's no way that the writer's room of Star Trek nerds don't immediately say that. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do love the ways in which, in that skip forward, the everyone's acting a little, like, off. Yes. Like, Uhura's, Uhura's in, like, the new, like, the, the actual 60s Uhura dress and is much more, like, cold. Spock just kind of is a jerk. Like, he's playing it more like the um, Quinto Spock 
because that's what Spock's like in TOS. Yes. It's just goofy. Uh, I like that stuff quite a bit. Uh, it's good, and the here's one of the sequences. Just that Anson Mount is just one of the best captains. He's just good in the show throughout. Um, his vision it. of what a being a captain is is just like this gregarious guy who just it has charisma. Everyone would follow into hell because he's gonna make you omelets afterwards. Um, and he's just like a kind of a dreamboat, like a well-meaning, sometimes a bit dumb dreamboat. Uh, is great. I love it. I love it so much. I'm the uh, ensign who gets promoted to lieutenant and uh, only to die. They oh, only to die. <laughs> in a, when the the show literally open with you've become disposable because you were not a character until this moment. <laughs> They're like we in- we introduce it. Well done. The new cadets are all being promoted. Um, uh, well done her and what well a random guy. You're an ensign now. You're definitely not going to die in 15 minutes. Um, but he does. <laughs> he gets murdered. Yes. Yes. Um. But yeah, uh, I really like the cast. Uh, Nurse Chapel and Spock, their interactions, real standouts. She's so horny for Spock. She's so horny for Spock. You know what? Fair enough. He's a, he's a nice guy. She sees that Spock has actual, like, repression Vulcan anger problems. She's like, I can fix him. <laughs> <laughs> it's more like, oh, that's that would be an adventure. She seems very bored with most of the men in her life. Uh, yes. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Uh, the show just has an energy. It's willing to be silly. My favorite episode's a fucking to prank Spock body swap episode. Um, that is just broad comedy. Um, they do like a fake holodeck with like a fantasy book that comes to life and everyone's in, you know, like high fantasy outfits, uh, oh. being goofs. Love it. It's just funny. Pike's a ridiculous, like sniveling court coward. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh amazing amazing stuff yeah um it's really funny because i feel like um rebecca roman was like the big like pull for this and she's like maybe the most incidental character in the show i mean the the the, like she is in the big cliffhanger they're setting up for her to be later i know um but it's very funny that she like her most notable character bit is the one episode that she's like i'm fun and like aggressively tries to prove it by doing the things all the ensigns do very good. Oh, right. When um, her and uh, Laan are like interrogating the ensigns. And yes. she's like, I understand. You know, you're still in trouble, but I get it. I know how it is. I'm I'm going to be the cool captain. Laan's just making this ensign cry. Yes. Because I didn't realize you said this, but Laan is just Malcolm Reed. Yeah. What if Malcolm Reed had a personality? Yeah. Um, but the part where, like, and- just a complete total hard ass that no one that isn't even interested in connecting with people in any human yeah. way—that's all just true. Yeah, uh, but they're both like nerds in a way that like doesn't feel like they're like doing a bit making fun of them, yes. other than like it's charming that they're like the uptight ones. They're just weirdos. Oh. They're just similar yeah. weirdo security chiefs. Yeah. It's like, oh, I understand why everyone just, like, lets Barkley be Barkley in a world where these two exist and are, like, successful in Starfleet. <coughs> yeah, sorry, you said let Barkley be Barkley and I tripped up. <laughs> you did that on purpose. I did not. I did not do that on purpose, I promise. Okay. But, um, yeah, it's just a good show. I'm excited for season two. Um, I hope they keep making more of this. I just would like to read a bunch of Pike Spock adventures uh, with like be written like they're from these characters and not the original versions of them now. Yeah. It's um, really interesting because you were saying this and it's like, it's not the, this Spock has replaced old Spock in my head, the, you know, classic no. character. But if you're writing a like Pike Spock scene, I'm thinking of these two, right? Yes. Yeah. They've just like supplanted Jeffrey Hunter and Leonard Nimoy in that one episode. Right. When, um, when that just, because it was, it was a pilot, it was a weird, but like, yeah, 
I really, I just, I really like the way that the show approaches the casting. It's very different to the movies when they're more much, you know, like Zachary Quinto is trying to do a Spock impression. Um, yeah, and I feel like they've settled into. We've already had one recasting. The the audience will just accept us recasting characters now, and we don't have to like do impressions. Like the Kirk mm-hmm. they get is nothing like William Shatner. Like he's nothing. nothing. There, yeah, there's. I know there's been a lot of discussion about some people thinking that it was like they're very unenthused about this character because he doesn't act like Kirk. One, it's a different universe, so who knows when he if if. Here's the thing. Is the season two thing misdirection because they put him in season one and they want to surprise people? Or is he actually going to be an ongoing character in season two? I don't know the answer to that. I assume he's going to be an ongoing character. They, they, they've got yeah, Kirk. But that doesn't mean he's going to act like he does in this episode. But I do like the idea that, like, in this version of Starfleet that's very, like, this is 100 years after Enterprise, not this is a show made in the 60s. It's like, uh, you know, wagon train to the stars. Um, Kirk wouldn't be, like, the guns blazing cowboy. He would be, like kind of a like not like even shitty he's just like a guy who takes the risks when you might not want to when pike says no we gotta be we gotta sit down and have a speech and talk about our feelings he goes ah what if we just like tricked him i love that he comes off as like a nerd (laughs) yeah which is not he's like a guy who's like trying to see all the angles right like there's just like something not slimy is not the right word but there's just something underhanded about the way kirk operates the way he's depicted in this episode I, i think you only like fall into that depiction when you already have pike being the like sort of the earth starfleet captain yes. you have to yeah because both pike and kirk operate in those archetypes not necessarily in their own shows but like in when people look back on like the 60s star trek that's what they think of they just have that idea yeah. of the captain and mm. having pike already kind of doing that cultural idea and having to like differentiate kirk lead puts this kirk in a very interesting place i'm, I'm I'm on board for where they go with it. I assume it's probably the most controversial thing in the show to the like the fan base so far. I believe that's been true. Because yeah. he just he just doesn't act like Kirk. But um, but I do like the idea that like that that episode in particular is like there are limits to what your Picards can do. Like Pike's trying yes. to be a Picard in that episode. Like sometimes doing the most prudent thing is not the right answer, and watching it all like unfold and be miserable is good because like. Sometimes you need a guy, Kirk's like, oh yeah, we're just going to go in and shoot him. Like, they're, they're the enemy, obviously. Uh, yeah. And it was, because it, it did that. Um, and it's also like a uh, throwback to um, the Discovery pilot, mm-hmm. um, where they're also ref- riffing on Bounds of Terror, because I was <laughs> remembering Michael doing a fucking coup. Uh, oh, God. To, or to be like, no, we have to shoot them to show strength. That's how, that's how it works. <laughs> and yes. Fucking that up. Um, this episode being instead like, Pike and Kirk have a conversation, and Kirk's like, I'd like to play it this way. And Pike's like, I understand, but I'm in charge. And Kirk's going like, yeah, all right, you're in charge. We'll do it your way. Um, is just good. Like, th- this is just what I assume Starfleet officers would act like. In a way, in a, in a way I don't think modern Trek is good at doing it. Like, in, like, when I think of, like, how Discovery played these characters, there would have been a big fight and a bunch of television drama in a way that, like, this just isn't going to do. I mean, it, it does, they do, like, copy the script. <laughs> like, there are meeting scenes that are just word for oh, I word. Know. I know. Uh, which is why they feel like this. And uh, yeah. But they do pull it off. It, it's good. They do just have these yeah. discussions. Um, yeah. And the, the, act, the actual, like, themes of the episode are a little mixed. Uh, but I do, like, because, um, like, he, he, got, he gets this vision, right? Um, yes. But he gets this vision because he decides to save the children. <laughs> he's he's going to write them letters telling them not to pursue their dreams. Because, the, like, he saves them in the in his 
future ways to put in the chair. He gets, he gets interested. Not, not that one. Not no. The, not that not, one. That the one most, kid. He saves like he saves yeah. like what like six out of eight or something. The, there like are that, two right? who die. Yeah, but at no point does the episode end with like Pike going. Well, can I at least write to this one kid and then just go die myself? Like, what are you? What are we talking here? Yeah, because no. <laughs> I I don't. It's weird. Just opening like future timeline stuff into this weird rules lawyering is just a frustrating space for storytelling and they mostly just ignore yes. it to have this story about how uh pike would have handled this in a way that it went bad and how spock and his reunification mission is the most important point of star trek which i agree with and then i'm watching it and i'm just getting so fucking mad because of the last 20 years of star trek I mean, Star Trek 09 and Picard blowing this all up for oh, everybody just forever. Ruining, oh, yeah, right. Because the, then he'll do this mission and then the reunification will be, be like an ongoing concern and then Romulus will fucking blow up and all the androids will become a labor force that all get murdered by the Mass Effect situation. And also the uh, the Romulans become taken over by their own Mass Effect. Uh, they have a whole. Picard gives them a whole new. I don't remember the specifics, but the whole like, new secret backstory and secret society that isn't the Tal Shiar. Different thing. Stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. On all levels. Um, the difference between things that are stupid derogatory and things that are stupid complimentary is in this version of Bounce of Terror, instead of having a big, like, Shakespearean actor off on the Romulan Bridge, they instead talk about working in the Riemann campaign, um, <laughs> which is the kind of indulgence that only I am going to appreciate. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the Riemanns. Every time they the remember Riemanns. the Riemanns. Um, we'll, we will get into the strange absence of the Riemanns in a minute. Oh, yeah. Uh, because Riemanns are present in Enterprise, the show, <laughs> uh, yeah. as a going concern of the uh, possible build-ups of the Romulan War, but not really in the book we read. Yeah. Is that it for Stranger Worlds? I just really liked it. I just um, liked I'm it. I'm looking forward to more. Yeah. It, it really feels like it has the energy of the books when we really like the books. <laughs> I mean, it... As a show. One of the things I appreciate about it is it's not thematically ambitious in any way. Yes. Because yeah. th that is the thing that's been dragging a lot of Star Trek down. It's, it's written by, um, you know, Star Trek is always just written by TV writer liberals, which is fine. I'm not here to stop, take it from them. It, you wouldn't actually want me and a bunch of grumpy communists writing Star Trek um, as much as I think we do a good job. Uh, <laughs> but broadly, you know my point. Um, in that, like, Picard and Discovery and the, like, discussion around the shows was so concerned with, all oh, these have to be a utopian vision or, like, to really look at the heart of what's wrong with society and it's the post-Trump Star Trek and the Federation's a bit racist and we, that's, this is not who we are, just that kind of shit. This is so uninterested. These are just space mysteries. Picard will give, like, yeah. a, not Picard, Pike will give, like, a speech about it. The first episode has some kind of hilarious uh, TNG-style, like, uh, liberalism speech. But broadly, these are just space mysteries and it's uninterested in that because it's a TV show about characters as you like, which is actually what Star Trek is, not this myth-made lie that uh, Gene Roddenberry told. Yeah. yeah. Space. Um, the it's final good. frontier. Uh, that's it. We're going to uh, talk about the book now. So These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. It's five-year mission to explore strange new worlds to seek out new life and new civilizations. To boldly go where no one has gone before.
you don't want to hear about the end of Enterprise and like spoilers for what's going on in Enterprise, then I guess you have to leave. Um, and if you didn't want to hear about Strange New Worlds, welcome back. We're here to talk about the Enterprise book Beneath the Raptor's Wing, uh, which is the first of a two-part Robin the Moore series that came out in 2009. Uh, this is written by Michael A. Martin. Uh, Jackson, where are we in Star Trek right now? So we are slightly after Enterprise. Um, we are following on from a few books in which Trip is sent behind enemy lines and they retcon um, uh, these are the voyages into not being about the founding of the Federation Charter, but being about the um, coalition of planets uh, that is forming in the shadow of the uh, encroaching Romulan threats established in season four. Uh, yeah. And Trip goes behind enemy lines to find out what is happening what they're building what the various factions are doing there are a bunch of different uh romulans at play here uh also vulcans because there's connections between the vulcans and the romulans that are still not fully in the open as to who's doing what uh but there are secret people like working to use this war as a front for um reunification uh f from the romulan side the reunification in, in this situation would be the vulcan becoming part of the romulan empire uh, mm. and the Federation falling before it has begun. Uh, and Kobayashi Maru was about the um, weapon that the Romans are primarily using, which is hijacking spaceships and turning them useless. Uh, and this works better on the Vulcan and Andorian and Tellarite ships, specifically Vulcan ships, because the Vulcans are the Romulans, so they understand the systems better, and the Andorian and um Tellarite ships are based on Vulcan technology, so it works better with there. It's still effective on Earth ships, but less effective. Um, almost as if someone in an episode fifty years ago said that they uh blindly fired nukes at each other like an old war and they've had to work backwards to try to justify that. <laughs> oh, they've they've bent over backwards to make all of this work. Um and th that's where we are here. The Romulans are a threat. The coalition is in place. Um, a, there was a fifth member of the coalition where the shipyard got blown up, and they pulled out. And one of the last, uh, one of one of the earlier books, they are no longer concerned. It is yeah. The Romulans are attacking. What's going to happen with the the coalition of of planets uh, within their mutual defense pact between the Vulcans, the Andorians, the Tellarites, and the humans? And that's kind of where we are. <laughs> I mean, it opens with the stupidest cold open of Archer asking the Klingons for help because no one else will side with Earth, and then spends 400 pages working back to that point. It doesn't even get back to that point. No, it does not get back to that point. It gets to the idea like, oh, maybe we should talk about talk to the Klingons or something. I'm assuming it'll be very early in the next book where we get to that point. Yeah. But, whew, okay. So, um, I didn't like this book. <laughs> it, there's like a couple things that are interesting in it, but yeah, it's not very good. Um. And like, I guess we should do a plot story of the actual book, but <laughs> you need to. The, it, here's the main. The main thing is, and we'll get into the like, specific points. Is uh, as the Romans keep attacking, the Vulcans immediately like withdraw from the conflict. They give them like some defense detection systems, but then like we will not be engaging in any mutual defense packs. Uh, and actually, specifically because they're afraid people are going to find out that they are the Romulans and then turn against the Vulcans. Yes, there is ongoing concern and mysteries about how like why this is happening what's to thinking versus what's his you know her shady prime minister thinking um i don't understand why 
Archer and Paul have not figured out why T'Pau thinks this way. Because it makes, like, the minute you think, why would they pull back from the mutual defense pact? You come across, oh, their technology is too similar to the Romulans. They're going to have, like, they're, they're trying to help us, actually. Yes. Um, because... Th- because of how much of the Romulan forces are hijacking, like their their entire plans around is like these these weapons. It basically means means the Vulcans make it worse by staying in the war. Uh, yes, and so four hundred pages of the book is trying to explain this back and forth to each other. Uh, as we cut to every single character currently alive in the Star Trek timeline, a, a page at a time, and. F- filling in context such as what happens to the other nx lines they were building why do they all get blown up um what happens to travis mayweather they as don't, he works only on one of them gets blown them, up to be fair two of them get blown up two, two, mayweather yes. is on two of them when they blow up <laughs> uh mayweather i the the amount of character assassination this book does of travis mayweather is the most characterization he's ever gotten <laughs> Because his family died last time, and he still doesn't know because they died in one of the like undetected. They attacks. assume they they talk about how everyone assumes that the ship was lost because of the Romulans, but but they don't know. But then he decides he's going to leave because because Archer you know couldn't save the Kobayashi Maru, and he just becomes the only named coward in Star Trek. <laughs> yes, it's so it's, it's a weird plot, um, and he keeps getting postings and is mostly used to have a point of view character while the federation takes l's yeah uh, but it just means that he's constantly there while all the ship's destroyed and is aware that everyone hates him for this because they're yeah like navy men and then, and then every it. every time he feels helpless he's like is this what john is this what captain archer felt like maybe i misjudged him because he's definitely going to be back on the ship by the end of this war right yes um but still does not know that his entire family's like he, he does know in his heart but the way they went out was so like strange unceremonious for a whole character's family yes yeah. um who who would possibly kill a major star trek character's entire family off screen and just have them react to it briefly uh suddenly it's never happened before <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway um that's one of the subplots uh the other subplot for reasons known only to god is a about a hundred pages about the only two journalists in the fucking solar system. One of oh, them is, is so pro funny war, to me. and one of them is anti-war. And what when will Starfleet I, when I was, do? Remember about when them? I was reading? Remember I was reading the TNG relaunch stuff, and I was like, "There's a whole uh, there's a whole book that's just like West Wing shit." This is this is of a very similar flavor. It's so bad. I'm like, why is Gannett Brooks a single episode character that mostly existed to flirt with Travis? A bigger character in this book than fucking Captain Archer, it, the entire crew of the Enterprise. Um, you know, it, I have no idea. I have no idea. That's just yeah. That's what's going on in the book, and it's mostly about back and forth, like perceptions on the war as uh, the Vulcans pull out and the Andorians try to help, and then they they pull out and the Tellarites get beaten down, and um, various colonies are like, what do we do? Do we do we fight? Do we stay? Does this happen? Um, and the Romulans just keep winning in all the fights because it's the Romulan War. It's a bad time. Yes, and it doesn't. End, yes. It doesn't end. It doesn't have an ending. Um, it has. Well, it has two. They just put two plot points in the last chapter, so there can be some kind of cliffhanger for the next one. But it does not have like an, any a narrative climax in any way. Uh, and those plot points are. Uh, the Romulans taking a major Earth colony on... Is it Mars? Was it on Mars? Or is it... It's, no, it's not Mars. It's the one no, in no, Tau no. Ceti. Uh, which, there's some stuff with that and the people that are there that we'll have to get into. <laughs> uh, and and uh, 
through like a false flag not false flag we don't know who ordered the attack it's presumed to be the romulans at this point we don't actually know who ordered the attack but an assassin orders an attack and blows up the mountain from enterprise destroying uh Sirak's, uh like soul Contra. Contra, yeah uh um which currently is like being used by t'pau to like help guide the vulcan government so she's having a really bad time. yeah she's been using it like uh march did in that one episode Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the big cliffhanger. Yeah. Um, what's most important is at one point someone's like, Starfleet's got this new plan to defeat the hijacking system by going to switches. We're going to take all these flat screens out of the bridges <laughs> and we're going to put in a bunch of plastic buttons. <laughs> it's really funny. <laughs> Especially in the face of Strange New World and like actual modern Star Trek that has just been like, we are going to yes. accept. These were all aesthetic choices made at the time. We we yeah. are adults. We can all believe this is the same Enterprise. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Where this book goes out of its way to be like, oh, Starfleet's got this crazy idea that we're just going to roll back all our technology to the 60s. What <laughs> if 1960s American computers drove a starship? It's really funny. <laughs> It's so stupid. <laughs> because that because that was my biggest law concern with yes. <laughs> what will the Romulan War contradict. <laughs> yeah. There's even a bit where it's like, oh, we're going to have to wind down these NX ships. They're just too cool. We got to go back to all the blocky ships that you've seen in TOS. <laughs> I wasn't asking. I wasn't asking. <laughs> yeah. No, it's very funny. Um and then immediately, like, humans become the only major force in the galaxy as everyone else is forced to retreat. So, uh, yes. just, like, a lot of, like, we need to set up the conditions of TOS in a way that makes sense. Uh, the Earth-Romulan War must happen. Yeah. We can't have, you know, Andorians and Tellarites hanging out all the time. We have to deal with the fact that we wrote Enterprise kind of out of order. Um, <laughs> I guess, I, I don't actually know what, what um. Stephen Cochran's in TOS. So like, is the Vulcan thing from First Contact in there? I don't know how much. No, no, I don't think so. Because I know that like Stephen Cochran as as like a trailblazer of humanity is a big thing, but I. It's mis- yeah, but I th- I think the TOS episode is just like he's the man who, who invented warp drive. I don't think it goes down that. So like Vulcan First Contact being what made Star Trek happen is a is, it was invented in ninety five. Yes, I believe that's true. Because that's really the plot point that fucks up the Earth Romulan War. In the- yes. <laughs> <laughs> Any other way you can say that we had a war with the uh, with the Rom- with the Romulans and then we met the Vulcans and escaped our nuclear whatever. A- every other way can, yes. you can line that up, but uh, they made they they didn't. So now we got to deal with this, and this book is going to do its damn best up up to and including why we don't have screens on the Enterprise in the sixties. Yes, yes. Um, I that stuff is very funny to me. I do like the stuff about just like. The, the appetite for going to space is just not, like, we we have another podcast called uh, Your Uncle's Beach House where we read, like, manga and watch anime. I recently read a manga called uh, 2001 Nights, which is about, uh, you know, space travel, humanity's first couple centuries out in space. And a lot of it is about the appetite for the risk of going to space. And I like the parts of this book that are about, like, the some people, not just, like, the Terra Prime, like, you know, racist, like, genetic purists that we've seen in, in Enterprise. Some people are just, like, I don't want to go out and get shot at for other planets. It doesn't make sense to me as a person. Yes. It's just not an attitude you see in Star Trek very often that isn't just these are bad guys. Um, and it butts up against the other ver- like thing in Star Trek 
like in TOS specifically, um, which is the people who don't want to sit under the thumb of a nanny state like the Federation want to get out. And that is like in this book presented by uh, like a like a coalition of native tribes that have moved to Mars and are debating moving into deep space, which we know we do. They do because they're the backbone of what becomes the Maquis. We have to talk which about are constantly this. displaced people <laughs> we, who become the terrorists of the Federation. We have to talk about this because so. Uh, here's the thing is that the scenes with the, the it is they are called the the martian hoppy pueblo nation which is already yes. loaded <laughs> um, yes and like you said it is and they have they have they ter- mars is not yet being terraformed they, they live in like facilities carved into like a canyon on mars where there's like just enough atmosphere for that canyon to have some breathable air yes but like mostly mars is still like a, a hard suit kind of environment um and on some level, I was like, "This is the, the, this scene is the stuff in the book that I was interested in because it was the crunchiest." But it's also the most like you can't do this. It's like so full yeah, loaded. It, it's it's like there's like some really interesting politics, and then the guy who leads this community's father, who's like the chief, goes up and says the most like racist Chakotay shit in the world. But it also like suggests that like this this group of indigenous people are. Sp- spiritually or elementally cursed in their nature to be oppressed and displaced <laughs> throughout yes. time and in, in like a, yes. in like a way that like Star doesn't really get into this like the universe has elemental things in beings it tries to avoid that it does like you have racial traits in the Klingons and it does that but it doesn't really do what it does in this scene which is like this is a tragedy of being that will play out across uh, I the think cosmos. You'll find, I think you'll find in TNG episode Journey's End, one of the native guys does imply that Picard has blood guilt for the things that his ancestors did to the Native Americans. Okay, around Native people specifically, <laughs> Star Trek loves to do this, but <laughs> yes, it doesn't do this for anyone else! No, it doesn't do this for anyone else. Like, you compare this to, like, and to be fair, you know, the stuff with uh, race and Deep Space Nine is, is better because, you know, um, Avery Brooks is there yelling at them and being yes. like, you have to get this right. This episode has to be the best episode ever. And you know what? He pulled it off. So great job. Um, but it was, I was like, man, I was, uh, but at the same time, it was like, I was one of the scenes, like that, that scene in, in, in the, um, uh, that they're like meeting the, the town meeting that they basically have, um, yeah. where they discuss their, like, should we stay? Should we leave? Thing is also just interesting. I, I I just liked all the perspectives, even if it's delivered in the most bafflingly racist way, uh, yes. with this huge-brained metaphor that's justifying why all the McKee are gonna, you know, all be indigenous people. <laughs> yeah, who will continue to be oppressed even on the frontier as they're pushed further and further out and then eradicated. Right. Um. I, wild, absolutely wild to make the gesture that this is like some it it's well because like the this is that was already at play in the metaphor of what the maquis are uh it was a thing being yes. discussed but by discussing the real thing and connecting it to the metaphor it just becomes crazy <laughs> it just, i just feel fiction breaking down uh uh, yeah, no, it's weird because like the, the 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 idea of going there and seeing what the frontier life is like, especially in Enterprise, which is like setting up TOS, where we know for a fact people will go and live in fucking holes in the ground on an asteroid rather than be in the Federation. And why is that the case? Is like 
one of the weird spaces Star Trek refuses to self-reflect on because they can't come to... There's no there's no answer that still supports the fiction of Star Trek, right? I mean, I think the reason I ended up kind of liking this is because it's the most Enterprise. It's the, it could not be more Enterprise yes. in that it yeah. is a, you know, white author uh, who is not that critical of these things Star Trek is about, falling backwards into an idea of, like, the genocide of America, right? pushes these people into a place where when space travel happens they leave they form their own place then the federation's forming it like encourages them to like move in different ways and all of their like new homes are pre- precipitated well, there, by the, the like imperialism of their time there's even there's even a bit early on that talks about how the global earth government still doesn't recognize them as independent nations right. because globalism happened and they're not allowed to be separate from what is quintessentially an American government that now rules the world. One of the ships it is focused on is the USS Yorktown, because, you know, the class it was meant to be the Enterprise. Um, yeah. But also, you think about that in a more, not in a, what was the history of Star Trek sense, but like, the USS Yorktown, man! <laughs> well, there's there's even a bit where they talk about, uh, T'Pol knows, like, a couple lines of Spanish, and their br- a tri- trip briefly mentions he's surprised she didn't learn French, but they talk about it like, both languages are already on the way out as like a thing humans would bother to learn because everyone speaks English now. Um, I mean, people, they don't, Star Trek does not define English as English. It is the human language. Uh, sure. But like, this is the thing that happens, that's what right? I'm saying. Like, quite literally, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> America win takes, despite the fact that none of the lore of 90s Star Trek actually supports us anymore. America just takes over the planet yeah. at some point. No, that's what I'm saying. Is it like, it, this is never stated, but that is basically what happens, right? Like, yeah. The American perspective becomes de facto the human perspective and then it goes out into the world. Um mm-hmm. and so the, the this like uh Martian indigenous nation is a bafflingly racist way to accidentally make a critique of that, which is well, there's, there's, also, there's also a thing where the leader of that group, uh, in his like self narrative is like unlike those unlike that like bloated earth government we're actually doing representative democracy out here just like being proud that they're you know uh like expatriated like you know leaving the planet native tribe is doing american politics better than fake of global america and at this point i was like i wish someone who didn't just have america as their basis for everything was writing star trek not a way to take it down just like there's no imagination beyond can you do like federalism better? Right. <laughs> There's just not like there you like the Vulcans are not fundamental cannot be fundamentally different than the than uh, like Earth. It's just that the gov- the government of Vulcan will always choose the safe route when uh humans will always choose the bold route. Like that's just the space of imagination is so small in this book to me. It really is. No, it really is. And it is, I think, the choice to have such a wide view of characters in this book really drags it back. Because every chapter is like four pages long. <laughs> There's a couple longer ones, but it's like 84 chapters, um, mm-hmm. constantly shifting into every perspective possible. But the perspectives aren't like actually broad. Uh, yes. It's not actually showing like, here's the huge expanse of of people and viewpoints on opinions opinions. yes literally literally the two like characters you get the most are the two competing journalists one of which is like humanity's gotta go there and fight this war because these guys are bombing our people they're just doing 9-11 everywhere we gotta stop it to this is why we have to huddle down and just like 
stop going out into space, like very like critique of anti-war people in like the Iraq war kind of rhetoric. I mean, it was interesting to me in that like Enterprise is a post 9-11 show, but this book yeah. is a post-Iraq war book. Um, which yes. are they are connected things they are often the same thing but in mm-hmm. there's a distinction there and this book really plays up that distinction uh yeah like the, but those end up being the like two strongest opinions because archer spends his entire book moping about did he do the wrong thing last book and the like everyone knows the answer is no because it's the kobe mashimaru literally every trek fan knows that you just can't win it so him like being like oh did i do the right thing everyone's like yeah you're fine it's weird that that's such a concern in the book because like I know he doesn't want to like destroy his own, you know, let sacrifice people or run away or fail. But like, Shram blows up four of his own ships in this book and doesn't fucking do anything about it. You don't care, no, because he's the captain of a ship in the middle of a war where your enemy has a and hijacking the, those ships, tool. Those ships have been, yeah, those ships have been hijacked. He had to shoot them down. Who cares? <laughs> Shram gets stopped more by al- by almost calling Travis Mayweather pink skin and realizing his skin is not pink. <laughs> That brings him up shorter than murdering his own people. That does happen, which is baffling in that Travis Mayweather has been on the bridge. Tran knows him. Tran is not, like, it's not the first black person. This is the first time he's met a black person, right? Like, Yeah. Because then he literally goes, he's about to call him pink skin, and he's like, wait, I remember you. You were on Archer's ship. Yes. Um... And so they have, like, a, a thing about that, but they don't really, like, talk about, like, race in Star Trek, or they just say it and then move on, because, like, we can't, we cannot unpack that here. But I do just sit there and think, Travis Mayweather is the most crazy idea that's ever happened in Star Trek. I cannot believe it's real. It was after Galaxy Quest. It was after Galaxy Quest! <laughs> yes. I, how did... Galaxy Quest made a character that, or who was like, I'm the, the token black character. I just press the button to make the ship go. Why am I here? And two years later, they put him in the show. Yeah, they just put him in the show. <laughs> and they never did anything with him. And now these books have to pretend they're doing stuff with him. But all that does is make him literally the worst, like, the worst not a villain in Starfleet. <laughs> oh, he's way worse than the villains because the villains are like, the Romulans, they're all like, competing with their nobility of what it means to be a... Because this sh- this book has way more respect for the Romulans with their own, like, duty to states, which is the whole thing with Romulans because of Bounce and Terror uh, that they're dealing with, yes. as compared to Travis, which it just, it just treats Travis as a coward uh, yes. for questioning Archer, even though his entire family died. <laughs> even, even Hoshi, who is literally in the character Bible, she's the coward, is like, of course I'm going to stay with Archer. He believed in me. Uh... It's frustrating because, like, Travis leaving because his entire family died and he's fighting this war that sucks is totally a valid thing to do, but you would have to, like, treat that as a decision beyond. And then he, yeah. like, jumps around other people's ships and keeps losing and feeling yeah. like he's a coward. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Whereas, like, Hoshi and Phlox both get the, we don't really want to be, we didn't sign up to fight a war and now we're roped into this and feel weird about it, but we're not going to, like, abandon Archer, so we're just going to feel weird about it. Um, when it's like, like Denobula is not even part of the coalition. It's like, what's happening here? Right. It could absolutely just drop Flux off. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like having Flux in the, like Flux ends up being a major character. Cause everyone else is fucking off the ship for this. Uh, book. Yes. It, it's only, um, Hoshi Flux and Reed that are actually left with Archer. Uh, cause the four yeah. goes to Vulcan trips on this mission, which is also in Vulcan at this point. Uh, we're done with behind the Romulan lines. He's now doing a mission on Vulcan instead. Um, and it, like a lot of this book is off the Enterprise. Yeah. Because the Enterprise isn't really doing anything but occasionally getting into skirmishes. Yeah. 
They spend literally half this book flying back to Earth. Yes. Uh, and so I just, I just, I just didn't like it that much. There was no ending. It didn't say anything, and it was went on forever. Uh, it even stops. It even stops to have like a weird interlude on like a what if sexism was reversed planet just to like do have anything happen. Yes, they do just do that, and like Hoshi becomes captain, but then they like cut the scene after Hoshi becomes captain, so they don't yeah. even like write out the funny interaction that would occur with Hoshi pretending no. to be captain. We just have that happen, and. I, I guess that was that chapter. We're done now. Let's. What was yeah. Dax doing at this time? Do you care? Do you care what Dax was up to in the Earth Romulan War? Well, he uh, Tobin, Tobin Dax is a scientist who's just looking at memos. Here's an entire chapter. Is he going to come up again? No. Is that is that the chat? I think that might be the chapter where they talk about rolling back all the screens and stuff. Yes, right? that is when they because because <laughs> this is the stuff when they're like a whole big. Um, concern in this book is are they abandoning the nx class and giving up on technology for the cowardly thing to do which is to produce more ships of, of lower quality which is such a this this whole um line of argument is very funny to me uh this is another one where like this is the most american thing on earth is the idea that, like the the giving up thing to do in a war is to turn away from expensive <laughs> high-tech gadgets and produce reliable old standard equipment that could be mass manufactured in a war that's obviously yes. the right choice everyone would say that that's why they still use ak-47s in every war yeah um but like they really they really put like a moral emphasis on um the nx class is like this is the future you have to develop you know you have to fund tesla to develop the true cars you can't the you can't you can't do the federation on the back of the Daedalus ships apparently uh in a way that i just don't agree with i just don't think that like the the technological utopianism is the thing that drives star trek i think you could put it on any ship i understand it yeah. is a big part of like tos and the holodeck and everything or tng and the holodeck and like it's there but I don't understand the characters in universe making the argument that the technological dream of the NX class, like tech, tech wizardry, is why Star Trek should happen. Uh, just a very weird. I, thing. Like I got it when it made sense. It was like they want to launch a single ship against the Vulcans, right? As, like as the like inciting incident of Enterprise. But we're already past that now. Earth has a fleet. There's like multiple planets that are like Earth aligned, that are all like humans live there. We're we're beyond it. <laughs> The NX class mattered in that sense when it was about the ways in which the Vulcans keep kept the humans down. It was this big human mm. achievement. It was a symbolic thing. Um, but literally, we have the entire Vulcan government going, well, actually, the humans are probably going to surpass us, and we're actually glad they're here because they, they, they can do things better than we can in a lot of ways. But, like, we're already so far beyond it. <laughs> and also, just in general, in, in, like, in life, in life, when anything grows, any, like, organization or idea grows you often have the big showy prototype thing that once it is stable will fall back into the actual mass you know they don't make yeah. a million gundams they make one and then they make the gm there's there's only there's only like four galaxy class ships right right most most ships in star trek are not that they mostly just kind of do their job and suck a little bit this is, is a flagship for a reason right like and yeah archer and the other people seem to believe that like the whole fleet will be an X-Classes, as if that's a thing you would even want. Yeah. Because uh, you, you just 
you don't need ships to do what uh, and this is in TNG, but you know you do not need ships to do what the Galaxy class does. It's too all purpose. It does everything and is huge. Um Yeah. Which is why they move away from it in future designs. Um and it, it's good to set the TV show there, but that's not gonna be like the backbone of your entire Starfleet. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't even make sense in TOS, like yeah the, the the enterprise is a unique ship like there aren't that many constitution classes most stuff is just like shitty ships yes um it's just weird that archer's like oh we're we're gonna you know my dad's dream i'm like this is character bible shit we're in like season five of this show that doesn't exist now stop it knock it off uh yeah i thought they were gonna make travis a captain <laughs> he does get promoted to lieutenant i was like he wow could be. lieutenant because I, I think i think the next book actually has like a big time skip in it so i just assumed when they were saying oh we are fighting this romulan war and suddenly instead of like four big ships we need a hundred small ships we will take yeah. we'll just make travis a captain and then it would be about like i'm a captain but only by the name of this is what the military structure has done to me and i thought they were going to do something with his character <laughs> yeah. they did not no. There are so many characters in this book that are just no one. They're just makeup guys, which is usually... F- I'm fine with there being non-screen characters in Star Trek books. I don't think it's a problem to have new guys. In fact, many of the best characters in the DS9 books were the new characters. Um, but that- they, do, they do invent an entire captain just to show that humanity, unlike everyone else, is willing to blow up their own ships. <laughs> yes. Um, but... Th- <laughs> The guys are not so they they are they're very thinly drawn because they only the, the the book's view is so wide and they're not like that distinct and interesting. Yeah. Like we did, I don't need to know exactly who the editor of this newspaper was and his arguments with the specific Starfleet like um admiral or command I don't remember the, the guy who he's talking to. I don't even remember his place in the system. He's I think he's one of the Mako generals. Yeah, one of the I think Mako he generals. Worked, yeah. yeah. And they go through and I'm like, he's just another one of the guys, and he's a serious guy with opinions. And that's like eighty yeah. percent of the new characters. Yeah. Um and it's it's weird. I just like I feel like if you, you could have wrote the story on the Enterprise more with the characters that I'm trying to follow. Yes. The, well, literally 400 pages in this book, Archer stands up and suddenly he's a Commodore in charge of a fleet and has to give a fucking speech. And he's like, oh, I'm really bad at speeches. Even though you know that's not true, everyone knows that's not true, and he does a good speech. You're like, fuck yeah, Enterprise. Yeah. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I don't understand the choice to... It's like if there was an event comic, but I've not read any of the other comics. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, I'm not reading the comic about the uh, Daily News in stuff yeah, like. and and but there are no other comics. It's just to these two books. Yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Um, it yeah, biting off way too much, and all of it in service of like, I I just fundamentally don't think like the Romulan backstabbing is like gonna matter enough for me to care and invest in that because like, then they like the Enterprise is gonna do something and save the day because it's the fucking Enterprise, uh. And I know that everyone's going to be okay because they have to be. So none of that matters. Yeah, I mean, th- I mean, this is like the the premise of the book, right? It is we are here to tie up Star Trek law um, mm-hmm. in a way that is very silly. Uh, and I don't know what. But then I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing Legend of Galactic Heroes over on Romulus. <laughs> right. <laughs> At least Legend of, Gal- Legend of Galactic Heroes is written better than this. Yes. Um, like, but like, it's definitely trying to be Arch in that same way. And I'm like, this just isn't it. Oh, you're going. You're going to fight a. a 
war on two fronts because you have like the Praetor is like going senile and that other planet sounds vaguely like Harkonnen, like from Dune. Yes, I've read a book before. Fucking waste of my time. They're just, here's the problem. They're just not very good at making up guys. The, the Romulan guys <laughs> are not, f- they, they need to be top tier, funny, imperial guys. They should be arch, they should be saying shit. I mean, here's the thing is that Romulans are not that interesting beyond they often get actors to act very arch in the shows with Romulans in them. Right. And I understand that like it's a kind of mean critique of like, the writing isn't fluffy enough. There's not, it's yes. just like scenes of characters talking and they're not that interesting, which is just like, this has the writing quality of an average tie-in book. <laughs> uh, yeah. It was written fairly quickly. It's fairly utilitarian. Um, but yeah. with that utilitarianness, I would like focus on the characters I, I like. Uh, I just don't think the ambition is supported in the craft. Um, yeah. Which is a shame. It feels like a bit of a mean critique. Uh, like when I'm critiquing the ideology of the book, it's easy, but I'm like, I just, we just wasn't written well enough to tell the story I wanted to tell, uh, is a little rude, but it's kind of what happened. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot going on on Vulcan. Like there's, a uh, the Yachar who works for the, the Vulcan CIA, uh, she's, she's working with Sopek and has betrayed Trip, but Trip then briefly erased Trip's memory about this, and T'Pol's like, I think she's totally betrayed you, and he's like, I don't remember that. And she's like, yeah, I know, that's why I think she's betrayed you. That is <laughs> unresolved at this point. Um, but it's clearly what's happening, because the, the chapter where they're on the ship and she, like, stands with Sopek as he's trapped away is not ambiguous. Uh, not, eh, not ambiguous. Very clear what they are, mm. those two are working together. Uh, yes. And that'll connect with all the... Um, uh, Vulcan and Romulan secret plotting stuff, and that'll all get wrapped up next time. Yep. But um, yeah. Uh, here's what I think about the rest of it. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what a good Romulan war book looks like. I know this is why we're excited for it. Like, oh, they're going to do the Romulan war. That the thing they were building up to in um in Enterprise. I'm so excited for it. And now it's here. I'm like, eh. <laughs> just a little rude of me, but that is exactly how it went. I don't know what the good version yes. of this is. I just think I would have cut all the Romulan stuff and expanded the, like, the impossibility of knowing beyond the three people do know but can't say anything about it. And the paranoia of, like, watching all your allies turn. Like, you think you're making this big, like, gesture out into space and then all your allies turn their backs on. Like, I wouldn't have tipped off that's why it happened immediately, mm-hmm. right? Like, it'd just be about, like, why why does everyone suddenly not supporting Earth and stew in the, like, disbelief that the trust had been so misplaced in all these people? Um, because you get to rely on the fact that you know that it all goes away because the Federation happens shortly after this. So the audience doesn't have to like feel that bad about it, but stewing in the like Cold War paranoia is like the point of this war, right? Yeah. I think that- And I don't think that makes sense when I, when I also have to watch like Valdor, like ping his glass like Makuve and twirl his mustache. <laughs> Fucking Valdor. Uh, I think that they really missed something in having any of the actual characters that you like have any disagreements whatsoever. Like all of these yes. these nations and species are having this like political back and forth. But like when Sovol's delivering the news, it's like, well, I agree with you because I'm a character you like. I'm like, yes. Sovol should have a different perspective. I don't know what it's like. I know, as written, it would not make sense for him to have a different perspective. Even the even the Tellarite and Andorian ambassadors get like a bro moment where they get to feel really bad about having to like ignore humans' plight. <laughs> they should like Savol should actually have different interests to Archer, and they should actually clash. Yes. Uh, but instead, 
it's just that's happening due to politics and all the characters who like each other feel kind of bad about it. T'Pol spends like six chapters in the desert with uh, T'Pau trying to convince her to do something. And T'Pau's like, I agree with all of your points, but no, because it would ruin the book if I said yes. Um, and yeah, and like T'Pol doesn't question Enterprise ever, which is, I, I don't know. She wouldn't. She's deeply loyal to Archer and Trip. Um, yeah. But they don't even do the thing of like, T'Pol, aren't you betraying Vulcan by coming here on a secret mission for the humans to like our leader um they don't really do that she just kind I don't of think that, i don't think they'd be that interesting but it is weird they don't even touch on um, it yeah I, I mean that's why i said i don't know what the good version of this is because it's not like all of these threads are interesting to pull on um mm -hmm. but i i do think it would have less point of view characters and be actually about what it's like to be on a ship you you just have to make the submarine movie version right like balance of terror it would be mostly laser yeah. focused on the enterprise's yeah. experience rather than the broad political stuff yeah i didn't i even think you could do some of the political stuff but only it should be really focused on earth we shouldn't be on vulcan we shouldn't be knowing what the tellarites and uh, andorians are doing right mm -hmm. if this is meant to be the galaxy is actually a really hostile place when we don't understand it um and weird aliens will shoot nukes at us from deep space. You need to play with that, right? Like that—that that, that suggests a tone. That this book just doesn't have it. Yes, absolutely. Like this is, in some ways, this book is like pouty that the Federation doesn't have NATO support when it's going to invade a country. <laughs> That's absolutely what this book's about. Yes. Uh, it's like, oh, America's got to clean up again. We're not going to get Europe help. Uh, we're not going to get some troops from France. Damn. Sucks all our friends that betray us at our eleventh hour, and it's like you're you you won. You're the hegemon, <laughs> and I know Earth's not that yet, but because it's an Enterprise book, it it's true. You can't deny the part where the 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 lore makes it true. Um, and also just like the when it's talking about the anti-war news stories making the terrorists win. Uh, yes. Like you're not writing about Star Trek anymore. You're writing about the Iraq War that's happening. You're, you're like, yeah. I, I see the, the actual meaning too clearly, uh, and it's just it's just wild. Yep. I don't think I have anything else. Uh, no. Uh, me neither. But um, we read it, and I guess we're gonna read the we next read one it. even sooner. So. So yeah. Um. In doing this, it was like, damn, it has been over a year since Kobayashi Maru. I know we read the the Quark one, but, um, you know, we could we could turn this up a little bit. We I intend for the next episode to be in December. Um, yeah, okay. Which is like, you know, four months from now. Um, and we're going to be reading the second and last Ramen War book, the Bra To Brave the Storm, uh, also by Michael A. Martin. Um, we'll probably cover the first season of Lower Decks on that episode also yes i mean Finally. i i know there's a crossover uh, that's been announced coming yes i yeah. will have watched i intend to have fully watched lower decks by the time um strange new world season two comes out at least so i can, I can put that on my schedule yeah i will rewatch season one uh also in proper i have the blu-ray because uh, i like that show quite a bit yeah that'll be fun so um we'll be back a little shorter and uh, you know we continue to, we're gonna keep going we don't have that many more enterprise books then we can do something else we can actually read some dumb we can read Shatnerverse two someday. Oh God, I miss the Reef Stevenses every day. <laughs> we do have we do have four Rise of the Federation books after To Brave the Storm. It's not like we're like immediately out of the woods. Oh. Yeah, um, I'm, none of them. None of them are written by. Uh, no, he he just guy. does this end this Romulan War thing, and then there's new writers. Yeah. Um, I don't know who they are, but I'm excited to have new. I mean, that's the one of the things I enjoy about Star Trek, which you're jumping between different writers. Um, mm -hmm. 
Uh, we've already we've already got a sense of this writer style. We've read a few of them. Troop respecting. It's true. What else did he write that we've read? The, the last four Enterprise books, all of them. Oh God. Okay. No wonder I'm a little tired of this. Um. So yeah. All right. Oh, you know what we should be? we should oh. be one of those lost era books in the middle. Oh yeah, we totally could. Not, I'm fine with that not now, but one of them. Um. Anyway, uh, thank you for listening. I know this podcast doesn't come out very often, but we'll keep doing it probably forever. Let's be real. Because um, I just like Star Trek too much. That's so true. Um, would you like to do some plugs? Yeah, you can find me at headfallsoff on twitter.com. You can find the podcast that me and I do over at normapping.com. Um, go listen to them. Uh, you should listen to that recent Beach House that we mentioned about 2001 Nights. Uh, even if you're not an anime person, you should read 2001 Nights, the manga. I understand. Honestly, the more of a Star Trek person you are, the more you'll probably just enjoy 2001 Nights. It is far more similar to Star Trek and like Western sci-fi than to like if you don't watch anime, what your or your, your idea of Japanese comics would be. It's, its influences yeah. are very diverse. It's a very good book. Recommend it so yeah. strongly. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, if uh, you can find me on Twitter at em underscore being for some reason, I just forgot my Twitter handle briefly. It's fine. Um, if you'd like to support our podcast, you can do that at patreon.com slash normal mapping for $1 a month. You get the great Gundam project where you watch Gundam every Wednesday and another backup anime right now. We're watching uh, superior defender Gundam force and Digimon tamers. We're having a really good time for $5. You get blockbusters where once a month we sit down and watch a movie together and then break it down. Um, we recently did the Island, the Michael Bay film, which we had a great time with. We're about to do the Iron Giant. There's a bunch of those episodes. And then for $10, every two weeks, me and Jackson goof off on a podcast called VoIP Life, where we just like do lists or talk to friends or complain about video games. That's a lot. There's a lot of that. Sometimes we talk about movies. Um, it's good. I like it. Um, again, thank you for listening. And uh, we'll be back in December. And we'll get to be done with this war. And then we can talk about the Federation, which I'm sure will not disappoint us deeply. Certainly not. We would never do that. Yeah. Um, until next time, see you out there. <laughs> <laughs>